listen and subscribe to The Table of Truth on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. Welcome everybody to Blurred Lines. This is your man Cam. With me as always is... The other Cam that finally came out of his cave to see what's going on in the world today. (laughs) As well as... And the professor, constantly evaluating and judging humanity. (laughs) I'm trying not to hate humans, D'Angelo. I'm trying. I'm trying. It's hard, isn't it? Daily stride. It's a daily, daily struggle. Daily, daily struggle. Um, Yeah, we're back talking Streaming Wars 3. We've all been kind of inundated, as uh, as you all have been, with the, the amount of content that's coming out now in terms of just like literally every major studio has their own streaming uh, service. Some of them have combined forces to make a bundled streaming service. Some of them are good. Some of them are bad. I was actually recently uh, shout out to the homie Richter. I was out, out in Vegas and um, him and his wifey, they have all of them. <laughs> And they just like that all the streaming services. So it was just really weird because I was we were going wow. through their um, I think it was the Google, yeah, their Google TV. And so because they have most of the streaming services, they can literally just kind of pick whatever show they want to watch, and then that just pops up it, uh, regardless of what you know streaming service is actually connected to. Wow. So yeah, it was kind of crazy because I thought about it and I was like, yeah, I guess that would be it still would be about what? About the same amount as a as old school cable? Oh, cable was at yeah. like well, 130, 140, until it slowly started to, to die. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then when they folded the, uh, start bundling it up to survive. But before that, it was definitely around, I would say most cable packages were around 90 to 115 bucks a month. Yeah, yep. when you added that other stuff in, it became like 130, 140. But yeah, yeah it's, it's very interesting that. Now, because I remember, you know, the fact that you know, we worked in TV and, you know, I remember having conversations with individuals who were saying, oh, it's just a fad. And, you know, if it, people are going to continue to stick with cable and then or, you know, another thing that people would say was that it would all add up to be about the same amount. So what's the, what's the, what's the point <laughs> in, in, in cord cutting or, you know, the a la carte as, as, you know, I guess, I don't know if that's a pedestrian term or if that's just an industry thing, but um, it just, and now what was predicted has happened, which people have cut the cords and now they can select exactly what they want. And it's, it's not, uh, it, you know, if you pay that much and you do get all of them, you'll be, right back to where we started with to where you started with paying for cable. But, you know, now it's good that you could have that option where you're only paying 20 bucks a month and maybe you have Netflix and, uh, you know, AT&T go or whatever, direct TV um, streaming or whatever it is. Yeah, no, exactly. And it was funny because we were talking uh, at the time, uh, Richard, his wife, we were basically saying, you know, what three would you actually just have if that was the only thing you could do? And I thought about it. And even now, I think I'm only at like, you know, uh, excusing any pirate, pirate wars that we might be out there. Not 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 dry snitching on no ones. But um, I was thinking like, you know, besides that, I mean, the things I would probably interact the most with, which was funny because I said uh, Netflix and then I said uh, Discovery Plus because I got to get my, my food shows in. <laughs> and uh, and then 
the other third one, I was kind of like, ah, it's a pick them because it's not really anything that I'm like, I feel like I need to have. Like, I don't, you don't need Disney Plus or Peacock or any of those other ones. Hulu, maybe, but like, it's not, how much stuff am I really watching? You know, those types of things. And so it was, it was interesting that you have all these options now, but it's like now we have all this quantity, but then the quality is suffering a lot. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that's my point. Like, the idea of having your streaming services a la carte. It's awesome. You're like, okay, I don't have to subscribe to the cable package because I don't watch regular TV. This also goes to the technological advances of having an HD TV. Some of those channels that you're paying for are not in HD quality. So I remember when yeah. HD HD TV first came out and watching ESPN and TAP was a big deal back in the day. Now, True. most shows are shot a certain way where it doesn't yeah. uh distort the quality of your viewing experience and with that said a lot of decisions have to be made you have to be careful because like the beauty of cable tv is that you have everything at your disposal you can just kind of pick and choose whereas if you're going out of cart you're going to be okay do i really want to watch mr robot i like it but do i like it that much to be paying a subscription like you got to be like okay what do i watch the most and i'm like okay for me when you say pick your three i'm like okay netflix I watch a lot of anime, so Crunchyroll and probably Amazon Prime because a majority of my viewing experiences are shows that's on that with a package connected, I think, to stars. Uh, but like there's shows on Showtime, shows on HBO Max that I can't watch, you know, uh, uh, legally. So, so that's a good yeah. point, though, because I've even like um, with Crunchyroll is super interesting because I have a, a subscription, too. And. I was going through it and it was actually pretty useful because I was like a lot of the anime that I was wanting to watch was on Crunchyroll. So it was really dope. And then recently Crunchyroll and uh, Funimation, uh, Funimation, they basically are going to be molding into each other. And Funimation had a really good um, contract with Hulu. So a lot of uh, so a lot of the interesting anime that was coming out that wasn't on Crunchyroll was now on Hulu. And so now that that merger is about to happen, I think over the next couple of months, in terms of officially, I'm really going to see, I'm wondering if Crunchyroll is going to get um, bulk actually get better now because now it literally will be the main spot for all anime in a, in a streaming situation. Yeah. I mean, what you guys both are have pointed out to is the, and this is where it changes um, from cable, what you identify cameras, you have everything there that you want to see and it's all in one place to having to kind of pick what you want um, is, you know, what content, catalog stand out the most to you and your yep. viewing uh and your and that's what that's what the streaming wars has created for these services right so while you may not watch mr robot you might watch several other shows in the usa library monk or yeah. or burn notice or whatever if that stuff yeah. is there for you whenever you don't have to buy the home video you don't have to um, wait for it to run for uh, syndication on for USA to air it on the network to watch it. So I think that is where, but at the same time, that has pushed these uh, networks and these streaming services to a point of which we're talking about, what, what you brought up before, which is now you have uh, a content gold rush, right? And so that kills quality and it and it creates a necessity for constant quantity. That's why, you know, we're getting 
how many Star Wars shows for Disney Plus? There's, 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 there's now Obi-Wan Kenobi, which has been talked about ad nauseum for the last almost going on close to since, really since forever. Yeah, <laughs> like 10, 10 20 years probably easily. Yeah. yeah. Then you have um, all the other stuff. So it's like all this stuff is popping up. And then when we watch it, it's like, uh, what is it? <laughs> like, this even needs to be made? Like, yeah. I'm glad that, that there's an entire production team of individuals who have work. But geez. Yeah. And I think that's the, and I think that's what we're getting to a point an apex of that, where it's just like we're getting stuff because they just need stuff as opposed mm-hmm. to gonna be quality. Because, like, you know, before, you know, you had a very pre streaming, you know, there is the, the fall season, the mid season replacements in the spring. And then you had yeah. those summer shows. And that was pretty yeah. much the breakup of mostly how shows went. And also as well, you know, that's back when they were doing 24 episodes of shows that, you know, now that's one thing I do like about streaming is like they don't they don't have that as much anymore. They're cut, cutting it down to between 10 and yeah. you know, seven and 12, which I think is a way better in terms of uh, consumption. Sure. But you're right. I think now it's like because there's that gold rush of stuff, like say, for instance, like I like Discovery Plus, but out of Discovery Plus, the only things I actually like watching are Food Network and HGTV. They got 15 other show uh channels with like you know the umpteenth 90 day fiance or whatever there's mm-hmm. like 18 of those shows there's like a bunch of uh horror and um like crime shows oh, no, that i've never yeah, watched yeah. yeah like and you know travel and all that kind of stuff so it's so interesting now because you're right say if i like hbo max and i do i watch it because i like uh you know whatever their tv shows they got on but then you know there's movies in there too that i'm like oh, okay this is actually kind of cool might be kind of worth it yeah you you find yourself like for if you ask me, my three, my number one would be HBO Max, just because I find that I use that app more than anything. You know, mm. I talk, I'm texting you guys all the time, random quotes from Veep. <laughs> you know, that's my, <laughs> that's my show. Like I literally will watch Veep multiple times, um, all the way through. You know, every so often because I just find that show to be hilarious and something that I can always go back to. And the fact that it's right there, I don't have to buy every DVD per season or purchase each episode or, or whatever. Um, it makes uh, me want that such a curb enthusiasm. I, I would yeah. probably rewatch Game of Thrones if I'm bored at some yeah. point. Um, you Young know, Justice West on World, there too. Young There's a bunch Justice. of other good stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, like yeah. I love their catalog. I love their their library. So that would I would take HBO Max, and I wouldn't care if I had anything else to be to be honest, um, because I just think that they have a a much better overall, a much better eclectic catalog i don't like disney because it's just too too kitty for me like there's 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 enough content that where i can go there every now and then but like when i'm looking through and i'm just like oh i want to watch something random i look through the catalog i'm like i don't want to see any (laughs) any of this yeah you know yeah yeah. and actually i I heard that they're going to do for disney they're going to do that they they were already uh beta testing doing like more of an uh the adult versions like all Mm -hmm. the catalogs from like fox and all that kind of stuff which actually makes a lot of sense you know if you don't have kids do you really need disney plus wait hold on and like remind me okay the content of this conversation is the quality versus quantity right yeah yeah okay yeah there's one aspect and and pricing right so there's one aspect uh, i think it's important it's like living in a two-household income too you know, it's like single person, you know, you're going to be watching a certain shows, but yep. your partner may watch other shows and you have to. And if you're on a quote unquote budget or you're trying to be cost efficient, 
then you have to write, make some cut tough decisions. Like, but also, you know, there's also like cutting a cutting a uh, uh, a streaming service off and waiting till your show comes back on, especially if there's yeah. only a few of them. Like, yeah. you know, like I watch Snowfall on Hulu and and Rami, and but when they're off season, there's no reason to keep Hulu. Um, the only reason I have Disney Plus is, you know, uh, kids. <laughs> so, yeah. Which, yeah. funny, uh, my daughter doesn't even watch it. So it's like, all right, <laughs> I kind of, I'm I, actually, it's for me now because I'm catching up. I'm not going to be a lot of you. I'm, I'm catching up on all of the like early 2000s on up movies that I missed. There's a few, like a lot of movies that I just didn't watch. And watching the new stuff, like I watched Encanto, I've watched uh, Coco and all these new shows. So at first I was like, man, I'm not going to watch all this. I'm only here for Marvel, right? <laughs> and I've watched most of Marvel. However, they've put some stuff on there that I've, I've, I've caught, up, caught up on. I'm like, oh, okay, this was actually really cool until so I have this new element. And now I have a reason to keep Disney Plus. Whereas yep. before no, I was like, I have way. no reason. I thought the reason was be, was for this, but it actually now I want to have Disney Plus because I'm watching it. So yeah, that's, yeah, that's a pretty that's good. A good I was point. I was thinking that with Amazon too, where it's like Amazon Prime. I use it more for deliver delivery and stuff like that. I wasn't really using the actual service of it. And then I then I went back and started, and then I started to notice that they had certain things on there that I hadn't watched in a long time or something that was interesting. And so then I started watching things like Jack Ryan. I started watching yeah. Expanse, which we all talked about that at length. Um, and then I watched uh, Man in the High Castle. And then um, now, which recently came out, was Preacher. Um, formerly played by a uh, short man, uh, Tom Cruise, now played by six foot five, 300, 300 pound, uh, hot from Titans. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, um, dude is like a wrestler almost. Yo, he, man, <laughs> massive. Well, that's, that's, that, that's the, that's what Reacher was supposed to look like in the Yeah, book. exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, but it was that's good, the so. good thing for Amazon is that they're like moving towards like, okay, we're, we're adapting a lot of these novels and we're doing it. Cause like they got the wheel of time. They got, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Yeah. Lord of the Rings coming is coming out. up too. Yeah. So it's, it seems like for Amazon before they were kind of doing a lot of good shows that nobody watched. And then now they're kind of crossing over into good shows that some people are watching. And then now it's slowly becoming like, you know, oh, this is something that people are talking about and wanting to go into because, you know, you really didn't, besides, uh, yeah, besides something like this Expanse, which is a sci-fi favorite, but in terms of the larger scale, you're not seeing that many people talk about that. But out of all of them, though, Amazon was the first one to actually win an Oscar for something that was all exclusively only on their streaming platform. And so yeah. now Netflix in this net, in this next Oscars that just got announced, Netflix got uh, nominated for some stuff in more major categories. And now it's going to be really interesting to see if they win, because again, that just gives more credibility to these streaming services where like okay we can skip those theaters and bob Iger was talking about that with covid and he's like how covid killed movie theaters which is true you ain't trying to be in a hot box of freaking <laughs> disease and <laughs> and it, it really people. it really pushed what covid did was prove a contingent of the industry right which was the future is not necessary of the future of big cinema is not necessarily going to be in the audiences, audience butts in the theaters. Like it's going to, yeah. it's going to include whether we like it or not, the need for an option to view wherever, whenever, because that's what everything else is. It's like, that's the whole thing with TV everywhere. It's like the whole point is that 
the tech is moving us to where we don't have to be in the same room with each other. We don't have to be in the, in an audience. Even the WWE, just as a aside, recently experimented with their Thunderdome, which is basically the whole during the entire COVID they, uh, season when they couldn't have live audience. There was a virtual audience. It looked freakishly like that episode of Black Mirror. Uh, several mm. <laughs> several episodes of Black Mirror. Uh, so yeah, it's it's getting to that point, and I think that that's what um, Bob Iger, you know, among the things that he's saying is like, you know, COVID just basically took any kind of argument against that, you know, because now you see it works, you see that you can make money off of it from it, and it doesn't it doesn't take away from that bottom line of. Uh, uh, the the money being made. So and then now Netflix can say they they have Emmys, Oscar, maybe Oscars, possibly, but like, okay, possibly possibly Golden Globes. They can hit all of those categories from That's under crazy. one umbrella. Crazy. So so okay, not from an out non industry look from the outside in. I don't really, I don't want to say I don't care, but that won't sway me. Oscar. Netflix Oscar true, true, true. nominated or winning streaming service, you know, as it shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, as it shouldn't. It, now, it shouldn't. as a, a, being in the industry, I would be like, okay, that's kind of cool that we can tap in. It feels like a cheat code in a sense, like a loophole in, in the rules of how you can win an Emmy. But that's neither here nor there. The the, the thing that trips me out is like, okay, at one point. I remember when Shelter in Place became a thing, and theaters were worried that they were going to lose businesses which they did it was partly yes due to technology advances like anybody can make a a cheap theater in their room give you that theater experience or close to it um however on the flip side i always think of it like this man um you like like say for instance you like a certain dessert let's say peach cobbler right you like peach cobbler you like to go to a certain place to get your peach cobbler we all know you can get your peach cobbler at the store and make it at home but sometimes you like to take that journey to go sit in another establishment, get all those vibes of eating that favorite dish of yours and that nostalgic feeling. And I kind of relate that to going to the movie theater, you know, certain movies, not every movie needs to be seen in a theater because like you can just tell from the trailer, you're like, I'm not going to like, I'm not going to one risk my life and health to go sit in a theater to watch something that really doesn't move me. However, there is coming from being a, a, an art tour in the arts and whatnot, like there is something magical going into the theater, coming out, having that discussion, the sticky floors and all that nostalgic feeling. So it's kind of both in case. But I think, yes, in turn, like the, the, the numbers say, the analytics say, hey, we're going into an age where people don't need to be in theaters. But I don't think that theaters are necessarily going away. It's just we got to have to have a different uh, expectation of how people approach like sitting yeah. at home and versus going into a theater because you can do both, but like it also comes down to the eye test, the quantity of it, or excuse me, the quality of it, you know, like, well, that, well that's business. Never the, 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 the unfortunate truth behind that is that capitalism is rarely driven by a desire for quality as much as it is a desire for who gets it for, who has you know, supply and demand quantity, quantity. So for what, to your point, Theaters won't go away, but they certainly won't be the the vehicle for which Hollywood turns to to make money. Yeah, I yeah. think 
for, yeah, for their, yeah. For their, I think that, their and I think that's where the more is now. And I think the most interesting part too, because like, say for instance, when I was living in Southern California, Redlands, California, it's a small town, and they had one of those kind of like uh, Alamo Draft House style theaters. They're actually one of the first ones in California. Mm-hmm. This chain in California, you go in, you can order dinner, you do the whole yeah. nine, get some drinks, yeah. and so like that was a cool ritual that we had done prior to COVID that we would go on a Tuesday, five dollar movie, fun. you know, whatever. Yeah. You go in a little bit early, get some drinks. You know, get some food, chit chat, and stuff. And so, that was a ritual that we had that was fun to do, and I really enjoyed that. COVID kind of killed that, <laughs> but at the same time, I remember when things started to get a little bit better with uh, the pandemic. You know, I checked out uh, what I saw. I saw Eternals. I think I saw Shang Chi in the theater and Dune in the theaters. But I saw them at like on a Tuesday at noon. <laughs> it was like two other people in there. I was like, this is cool. I think I saw Dune with uh, an IMAX with, with uh, Josh. And that was the first time I've been in a, almost a, a packed theater with a bunch of people. And like, I was kind of like a little anxious. <laughs> yeah. So think about it like this, the studio can make back a good chunk of what is spent in New and from the profits of theaters in New York, LA, and most of the major cities in America. Not to mention what they're going to pull in from the international circuit. Now, for those smaller theaters that only that might average five, uh, uh, whatever, ten people per per screening for the house for the day. They're just going to drop off. They're going to die because they're not or they're going to have to turn themselves into like an art house theater, something that does uh, retros and things like that in order to because the studios, they were already angling toward they were already hurting smaller theaters by switching from film to digital uh, reels, because now because after that the theaters had to switch to digital projection (laughs) and that required a whole, and there was a lot of theaters, small theaters that folded because they simply could not afford to, to, to change with the times. Um, So it's just one of those things that's going to, that's going to continue to evolve and you're going to see remnants of, like you said, still theater going because there, I don't think that culture will die because it's more about, Certain films, it's more about the overall holistic cinematic experience. The one, the most recent best example is Dune. Dune needs to be seen with 5.1, like the best sound you can get because the sound design, the mixing, and the way it interacts with the narrative of that film is definitely something that's like peak filmmaking peak cinema and these and again hat can't be appreciated by watching it on a computer screen or on a on a two channel or whatever it, it just it, it can't I, I will say that to to the point of the person that doesn't want to put in the, the money and time and effort to replicate a theater experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So I mean, I've, I've been seeing stuff on projector, yeah. like uh, like the homie Slim has a projector at his place, and um, and good sound too. And it's been fun to like experience something big on like we were watching. I think an episode of Boba Fett or something like that. And I was like, oh, this is actually cool. It's a little bit bigger, good sound, whatever. De- decent sound, whatever. The experience was a lot better. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like I watched Dune on a regular theater um, first, and then I watched it on IMAX when I was in New York with the sound and everything else. And I was like, "Whoa, this is epic!" <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean, I recently watched it with my five, my surround sound. I was like, 
holy, like this is on a whole nother level. I didn't experience this for the first the first time. Yeah, I mean, and we we objectively, based on the situation of going on the current current state of affairs in the world, is that we can now make a conscientious choice. Like mm-hmm. we, the choice has always been there, but more so than ever, it'd be like, okay, do I really want to go to the theater? Right. Whereas, like, I gotta go to the theater because this is the only yes. way I'm gonna see it. They've they've the, the industry's adapted. Now, there was an article you had sent Cam about. Uh, What's this guy's name? Motion. I'm a butcher. Oh, last the, uh, was he? Uh, it was like he was a Syrian. The, or he, he was an Iranian or tour filmmaker, and he the the title of it is saying cinema is dying because of streaming services. But the key point of that article was he he was like he believed that big business streaming service will hurt the independent filmmaker marketplace, not the big budget. So he was yeah. very direct in saying that, and. Part of me is looking like, okay, yes, it can hurt due to not just streaming, but COVID situation and health and all this. And people just realizing they don't have to go to the theaters because we have other options. But, you know, on the flip side, you would think, oh, an independent filmmaker that's trying to get his work out there will want to use the power of the streaming services to reach that much more people especially yep. at a con- in a more convenient way. However, the, the kick is the Iranian filmmaker thinks that he may be, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, won't have the freedom of expression that he would do like at an independent movie house. Like if he's pushing an agenda, maybe these big yeah. streamers are like, hey, maybe we want to cut that out or maybe we want to change this. He's afraid of him, they, of him getting silenced in a way that probably won't happen in like a, a movie theater where you know it's art artistic, you put it out there, let it speak, but it may not reach a wider audience. In yeah. truth, that's always been the case, though. That's yeah. Ne- yeah. there's never been a time where that hasn't been true for for independent, truly independent filmmakers. Um, dude, Melvin Van Peebles had to take his had to take Sweet Sweetback's badass song to theaters himself because there was no one that would distribute that film until it got successful. Uh, there are stories like that uh, across the board for some of the greatest films of all time. Halloween, uh, John Carpenter had to go back and literally add, he didn't have music on it. And the woman saw the, the, the uh, distributor saw it and was like, this is the worst film I've ever seen. And he went back and he scored it and then took her that same print, but with his new score on it. And she's like, Oh my God, this is the best thing I've ever seen. And, and so, you know, it's more obstacles, man. There's more obstacles. Yeah. I think his worry is only legitimate if he's not, if he's kind of doubling down in content to steadfast to being just an artist, uh, but as a as an entrepreneur, you, you go with what the tools that will best uh, allow you to a get your work out there and b make a profit from it if that's intent indeed your goal. Because there's nothing stopping him from distributing his stuff. Now, and yeah. in fact, I would argue that the it's streaming more. services and the internet gives him more of a leg up than. Uh, a lot of the filmmakers that came before him that was doing independent film because they had to, they were at the mercy of studios and investors and, and theaters. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. no, nah, definitely. This is interesting, though, because I think uh, to me, as I've seen, because I remember when I started to see people's uh, films on like Amazon and like that would be a thing, right? Oh, I got a new special on Amazon. I got that. I'm like, wait, yeah. how did you get your thing on Amazon? Then come to find out there's a whole pipeline that you can submit your films. They, if and they it's still it, going. Yeah, but it's still going. And like something like we can make a film right now, submit it through the pipeline of, to be on Amazon Prime. And if it gets accepted, cool. Now we're on Amazon Prime. You know, yeah. or you know, whether it's a big you know production or anything, it just it totally just depends. And I would say to you know any independent, any especially younger like film students fresh out of fresh out of film school who are trying to do it, is that utilize these streaming these services because the thing is they're looking for content, and as we said, no matter if it's if it's good quality or not, you know, chances are, I mean. Think about what AMC is doing. They are doing a three tier <laughs> finale for The Walking Dead. And not only are they doing that, there's three parts, but they are taking three month hiatuses between each part. So, Oh, I didn't know that. Bro, I don't even know if it's three months. Could be longer. <laughs> Walking Dead final season is going to take place over the course of almost a year and a half. No wow. thanks. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I stopped watching it after they kill all the black people, but still. <laughs> now talk about desperate for you see what the streaming wars is, is doing to, to yeah. otherwise. This is the network that once had Breaking Bad, Mad Men, like Top tier television, the top age. tier television. But now they're like, "Oh, we're just gonna stretch out the Walking Dead until we find something else." And we're not looking really, because yeah. <laughs> you know it's. But yeah, man. Yeah, it's, 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 nah, it's it's kind of crazy. So you know, I'll, I'll wrap this up a little bit with um, well, in on the Oscars that just got announced recently, and all three of us Ooh. we watch Oscar stuff at various times. Like I don't. I, I think I've got. I think we've all care. Don't care anymore. <laughs> who, who's, who's Oscar? Oscar? I think. Oscar. Yeah, he's good at doing it. He's gonna be Moon Knight. That's my favorite Oscar. It's right the there. the Academy of Old White People that talk about movies. <laughs> yeah, I got you. <laughs> um, um, but it is interesting now. Only in the case that I think they're. Like we were talking about before, these streaming services are starting to get nods on that realm. Now, to the average person, it's very zero fucks. But on a credibility level, in terms of those aspects of it, Netflix winning an Oscar is kind of a big deal. Amazon won an Oscar a couple of years ago. Wait, why? At, why is that a big deal, though? I think in terms of now putting one of these streaming services in the realm of an old school studio that. At those times, because, you know, for the longest time, when you hear movie studios, it's the MGMs, it's the Warners, it's all that kind of stuff. And Netflix and the Amazons and the Hulus are upstarts or like the younger, quote unquote, younger ones. So that credibility wise wasn't the same in terms of like an Oscar, quote unquote. Yeah, for the industry is image wise. It just represents a a monumental change in other guard. Right. So that's what I mean. Yeah. the, The studios led the way for a century. Like literally a hundred years, um, it has been about 20th Century Fox, Warner Brothers, Disney, you know, all these different. And they were the ones that if you go into their offices. There's like a, a Oscars lined up against the wall from the last several decades. So now that you have an Amazon where, again, when these first these 
when these efforts first started, so Amazon first started Amazon Studios and Netflix started doing more film, there was the chatter that, oh, that's just a fad. You know, they're not going to be successful. Then you got Beasts with No Nations. And then you got, uh, you know, I forget the one that um, Amazon won the Oscar for or whatever. And so now it's more consistent. And it's every year that they're producing the, and they're getting more talent and more people, bigger names that are working with them and producing content for them. So it's, it's definitely in, in and of itself. That's what the Oscar represents to the industry. Yeah. And I think that uh, part, that's, that's actually, and also, cause you remember before 10 years ago, you know, there was a clear distinction between movie stars and TV stars. Exactly. Now that now exactly. that's blurred. Now you have you have it. It's it's all blurred. It doesn't really matter who's on what's and what's is this. And but I think on that part, that's kind of a good thing because you see different talent crossing over and all that, that kind of stuff. But on the other side, then you have these huge blockbuster movies that probably would have done you know shit in like a theater. But then now they're streaming on Netflix and everyone's like, oh, that was kind of cool. Number one view, streaming movie for a day or two. Like you know those silly uh, Ryan Reynolds movies that are on Netflix. Uh, and or like some other random stuff that just kind of drops in real out of nowhere, and then that then keep then everybody just keeps it moving. Um, also doubles the uh, doubles the uh, subscription. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, that's all true. It's fueling it. It's fueling. Yeah, it's now it, it fuels it. It drives it because and if you're those- you're told that oh, there's this movie Soul on Disney Plus, and it's great. It's you know won an Oscar. Everyone should see it. And, you're gonna try to go find it, and if you all else fails, the main way you know it is, is the way you know it is to subscribe to Disney Plus. So it it just drives that whole machine. Yeah, because even like uh, in Kanto right now, like that song, which I haven't watched in Kanto. I don't. I actually, only time only I've only heard this song because my nephew and niece were saying it to me. But that's like the thing for kids right now, right? Mm-hmm. That's on Disney Plus, and so everyone's you know. Do, everyone's watching it. They're all talking about it. They're, they're listening to it on Spotify, on YouTube Music, on whatever yeah, <laughs> other randomness is it. Goes every year, Frozen, and then before that, it was another. Like they yep. always have one that that just Pie Piper, it. man. Like Pie yeah. Piper. They really um, are the Pie Piper. You got to watch them. Better not. Yep, exactly. Cut that, um, uh, that subscription. So, <laughs> I'll, uh, um, so I'll wrap it up with final words. Um, for me, I would say I recently watched Reacher, and um, that was actually really, really fun. Like, I think I'm, I'm, I almost missed that level of type of television where it's just like a pretty simple plot, you know, interesting character, good supporting cast, and it was like a fun. It was seven episodes or eight episodes or something like that. I didn't feel like it was a time waster. I didn't feel like I have to be super involved and watch it, but it was like, it was a fun television like thing to enjoy. And, um, and I liked that it wasn't epic. I, I liked, it wasn't super deep. It was like right in that middle and it was just actually enjoyable television. So I, yeah. I hope there's a lot more of that kind of quality um, of te- TV where it's um, even if it is just adapted from a, a novel, but it's not a retread of like, you know, the umpteenth Star Trek uh, uh, show or the umpteenth Star Wars show or something like that. Yeah. Uh, Cam, final words. Um, what is Reacher on? Actually, sorry, Amazon Prime. Okay, I can actually watch that. All right, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that Legally. Jack Ryan? Isn't that Jack Ryan realm? Jack Ryan's good, <laughs> yeah. by the way, as well too. If you haven't seen it, I, I, I watched Jack Ryan. I actually, I, but I'm a big fan of Clear and Present Danger and Patriot Games. Yeah, uh, Harry yeah. So Court. Yeah, so that's right. So that, yeah, yeah. Like I was huge on that at a young age. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, 
definitely gonna check out Reacher. I, I'm currently <clears throat> uh, watching um, the Peacemaker um, and just finished the Book of Boba. I won't go too much in depth with both of these, but they're one is enjoyable to watch. One I was kind of lost, um, but I mean it's Star Wars. This is the common thing with Star Wars. It's, it's either you. It's, there's no a few of them. You have middle ground. This one is kind of like, eh, like okay, one of those. So those are what I'm watching, and I'm watching a Korean. Uh, and I hate zombie movies. Like I just they just freak me out. I don't know why. Uh, well, yeah, it's zombies. I don't. That's the reason why. But it, there's a zombie movie. I've been put on, and it's a Korean drama called Happiness. They have the weirdest title for such a. Uh, That's classic Korean. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and I'm going to watch that. And I just finished uh, a few weeks ago this Korean uh, uh, one season spinoff, or excuse me, a series called Silent Sea. And that yeah. was kind of some sci fi stuff. That was actually pretty interesting. Um, and those are the things I'm watching. But- Goblin and uh, Trading to Busan. Yep. Yeah, and she was in uh since eight. Yep. I think. Uh, yeah. Uh, Duna. Yeah. Duna. Something yeah. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, those are those are what I'm watching. But we can leave the the Boba Book of Boba because there's <laughs> there's a member here that's not present as choice words about this and and the peacemaker for the next next pot. So yeah, yeah, and Jazzlove. Well, I am not currently watching anything that stands out that I would mention on the show today, um, streaming-wise. But I just wanted to say one more thing about the Oscars. Um, the Oscars to movies, this is the best way I can I can think of it. Carl Malone, you wouldn't think of him any less of a great legendary player um, than you do uh, because he doesn't have an NBA rank, right? True. Right. So you don't look at any movie any different. <laughs> that's great. It doesn't have an Oscar. And that's the same thing with that. It's a sampling of an infinite number of projects that are made within a year. And it's a very subjective opinion about whether or not it's good or bad or whether it meets the standards of of cinema, if you will. So. Oscar should be as taken as serious as I don't know the MTV Movie Awards. That's <laughs> that's just my opinion. Like you, you, you. If Dune had gotten no nominations, that would not have changed my opinion that that was probably the best piece of cinema made from last year. Like mm. if that big budget anyway, it wouldn't have changed anything. So. That's that's why, you know, they were made for that reason to take a, a very small sample from the movies of society. It was not and they're not made for the eyes of pop culture. It's made for for artists, academics and people who who basically look at films, not just as entertainment. And that built up an elite expectation a pretentious expectation but now over the years that has been crisscrossed with the needs of pop culture oscar betting and things like that and you know all of this stuff turns it into some hosts that are have nothing to do with any of the movies that are being made that are on 
you know, comedians and stuff, the stuff like it became a pop culture spectacle. And the content and the, the purpose of the award ceremony itself is called the Academy Awards. There's an operative word there, academic. <laughs> you know, it's not supposed to be for the pedestrian viewer. It's it's literally for it's like it's 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 literature in in cinema or cinema as literature. If, if you if literature, cinema, two different things, but supposed to be comparable in an art form. It's it's about the film form. And that's what over the years, over time, people lost sight of that with the Oscars because of yeah. the way that the Oscars are produced and, and branded. How I, 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 can I can I can I so real quick? Uh one thing about the Oscars at a time there was a point at time where the best picture nominated was the best picture winning. You know, there was a time I was like, Oh yeah. Not to say that every movie that deserved like Moonlight. Like to me, Moonlight when it came out was the best movie of the year. And I've I've seen a handful of movies and I've seen most of the ones that were nominated. And then when La La Land won, I was like, what? I was like, all right. But again, to your credit, it wasn't going to take anything away from Moonlight. I was like, hey, I know who I know who the real winner is <laughs> in my eyes. Moonlight yeah. was the yeah. But Moonlight did win. Uh, but there was a, t- a time I, f- I feel like back in the day you knew what the best movie, like this movie looks like it's going to win. And usually it won, not all the time for best actor and all that. But I used to think at one point, this is just me and my limited scope of when I used to watch the Oscars back in the day, eighties, early nineties, that the best picture would win. Right. Not so much now. Cause there's a lot of politics and, but the pop, the, the process of the Oscars has been the same. It hasn't changed. Yeah. But uh, even then, it was probably political. I mean, look at yeah. uh, the year that, that do the right thing was nominated for for best picture. It lost to Driving Miss Daisy. Yeah, look again. <laughs> we also have to take in context of the world we were living in at that time, and yep. what. Oh, like, absolutely. I'm just yeah. saying that it, it hasn't. It's it's shifted around to your point. Shifted around, changed a lot, but it's also remained a very rigid system yeah. for selecting films, and people don't understand that. And they expect it to they have come to expect it to be almost as inclusive as an MTV movie awards or even as a Grammy Awards. The Grammys were very rigid, too, for a long time before they they got dinged because they were trying to exclude hip hop. But it's yeah. like you can't exclude an entire category of music. Like, you know, it's like you're trying to say that that music has no artful merit when that's not the truth. And it's the same with films. You're looking first at the art, the artfulness of most of the films that's nominated in Oscars make very little money. But, you know, so that's why, to me, it makes sense. Like when people were saying, oh, why isn't Marvel movies nominated and stuff? I'm like, first of all, they, why would they do that? It's a whole other podcast, people. <laughs> Yeah, that's why? Like, that's a whole other one. I think that's the that's why it's so interesting when the Oscar stuff. It's more like you look at it, and be like, oh, all right, and then like say for instance, uh, Questlove's uh, Summer of Soul got nominated, which is cool. It's for what it, it was a dope like situation. I'm glad it's getting the recognition that it is. This will probably put it in the eyes of people that didn't know about it, which is kind of cool. Um, but you're right though, in that in that respect, it's kind of like all, all these award shows are kind of the same thing. We have the same grabs with the with the Grammys. 
and in the Emmys as well. And yeah. so you're right, kind of like what Cam was saying, like who, like who actually cares about it? Right, small subsection of people that actually sort of, like. Care I mean, about yeah, I mean, like, is, especially know? if you are a. So let's take an example, music wise, because I'm more up on music than the mm-hmm. films. But like the best hip hop album, if you've been listening every year to like it tapped in, you'll hear yep. album of the year, a few of them. But what you see nominated is like, no, who like that's <laughs> not like that's not the people's like, choice. <laughs> nah, son. Nah. Yeah, so again, that, that it holds no merit and to your credit, D'Angelo. It's like, yeah, even if now especially nowadays, if such and such doesn't win a Grammy or an Oscar or whatever. We still know the body of work is there. It's like if you take away Michigan's Fab Five titles, we all saw Michigan play. We know exactly. the Fab Five. So exactly. regardless of the banner hangs up or not, we watch, we know, we remember. You know, went on to win the NBA championship, but at the same time, they were all great players. They're all legendary yeah. players. They played the game at the highest Hall of Famers. And they're Hall of Famers. Crazy. That ring Crazy. don't. If they put had a ring or not had a ring, it does not change that. It does yeah. not change it. Nah, that's dope. And that's and that is where we'll leave it. But yeah, we'll be back. We're gonna have a nice little Boba Fett uh peacemaker discussion later. It's gonna be we'll have we'll have a little bit more guests on for that one. That should be fun. <laughs> um but uh yeah, man, this is blurred lines and we are out. Peace, 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 peace. peace.